right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a Monday morning solo interview episode. The full episode with Chuck and John will be up later in the week. We're thinking Thursday morning again this week. Today's episode is all about my man, Devin Booker, and the Phoenix Suns. Before we get to that, uh, one announcement for people in the Nashville area. The Grizzlies watch party is on Wednesday, March 15th at 7 p.m. at Double Dog Sylvan Heights. Grizz, actual Grizz will be there and cheerleaders and the claw crew. So if you haven't made it to one of our watch parties, this is the one to come to Wednesday, March 15th, 7 p.m. We will have lots of good giveaways and hopefully the Memphis Grizzlies will win a basketball game, though I wouldn't count on it. Also, remember in March, if you write a five-star iTunes review, we will read it on air no matter what it says, unless it is horribly offensive. We have been having fun doing those. You could give yourself a shout out. You could plug your own podcast or your band or whatever it might be. So go to iTunes, give us a five-star review. It helps us out and we will give you a shout out. My guest today covers the Suns for Sports 360 Arizona and is a host of the Suns podcast, The Solar Panel. Mr. Greg Esposito, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I got to say, one of the hard things about podcasts is picking a a title, especially for like a sports or basketball podcast. I think you guys nailed it. The Solar Panel. That's a great that's a great podcast name. Thanks. Uh, it, it's one of the one of the few things I, I get right when it comes to podcasting. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I think it's a it's a great place to start. Well, we are talking pretty early. I, do you live in Phoenix or around Phoenix? Yeah, I do. I live uh, live in a suburb of Phoenix. Okay, so I, I it's nine it's nine seventeen in Nashville, Tennessee, where I am. I can only imagine it's is it eight? Is it seven? Like what time is it over there? It, it is it is seven seventeen here in Phoenix. That is early. And we are all struggling from the effects of uh, day t- daylight savings. Do you guys do that? I feel like I've heard maybe some parts of Arizona have uh, have seceded from that. No, we don't. We don't change our uh, change our clocks here. I, I don't know if it's because we're just not smart enough to figure out uh, how all that works or what it is. But no, we we don't change the clocks at all. Well, wow. I, I I do like not changing the clock, but seven seven fifteen is a brutal time to have to listen to me ask you questions. Uh, well, I, I've got a newborn, so I'm used to being up this early. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I got a, I have a two-year-old, and it definitely switched my whole life clock around, where now it's like, oh, I know what 7 o'clock looks like. I don't think I've seen 7 <laughs> o'clock in a decade. Um, anyway, well, it being so early, have you had a chance to eat breakfast yet? I haven't. I thought since this was called the fast ba- break breakfast that you just served it to me i i didn't come prepared i haven't eaten yet so i thought i thought i was gonna get food from you but i'm hoping to get some pancakes later today that's pretty good well so this is a secret actually if you will go out your front door right now we have a hot breakfast waiting for you that is fantastic if that were actually the case and i know it's not but that would be amazing yeah maybe maybe one of these days we'll have to hook that up maybe later in our successful run of a podcast years from now we will uh we will have that that capacity but just pancakes traditional pancakes with butter syrup is that your thing 
I, I do no syrup. I'm I'm a little weird. I, I do pancakes, no syrup, no butter. Oh. It's it, but there are do you make them yourself? Are they moist enough? That just makes my mouth dry thinking about it. They are if you get good pancakes, they are moist enough. You don't need anything on it to make it make it moist enough. Uh I don't make them myself because that's uh, usually a recipe for disaster. I'm not much of a cook. Either either my wife makes a uh, mean pancake or we go out for uh, for pancakes. Well, that sounds that sounds good. Still, the dry pancakes. I'm gonna have trouble shaking that. <laughs> anyway, let's move to the Phoenix Suns, the team you are a, I'll say, expert on. Uh, a team that I kind of like. I, I will say before I ask lots of questions that you know sound like I'm attacking the Suns. I will point <laughs> out that they are in my lifetime. They're probably my second favorite team. I was an NBA agnostic for a while, kind of a nomad jumping around. And in the 90s, I just jumped on, you know, bandwagon style with the Suns. Like, I loved Kevin Johnson, the team that had uh, Wes Person and Rex Chapman was like maybe my favorite team ever, like 96 or so, 97. Uh, yep. So, like, 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 they were definitely my favorite team until 2000 when the Grizzlies were announced for coming to Memphis. And since I was like, all right, that's close enough to Nashville, I will officially have a team now. But still, like, I, I remember where I was. I was riding in a church van to Cincinnati when I heard over the radio that Jason Kidd was traded for Stefan Marbury. It was devastating. So, throughout all this time, and especially, you know, as fun as the Suns, uh, seven seconds or less, Suns were. So, I, I'm, I'm kind of a Suns fan. They're definitely like a secondary team I've always enjoyed. This current iteration, it's been rough, so it's been, you know, not, not as much fun bandwagon cheering, but I still, I'm, I'm, I'm there most nights checking in on our games, and I, uh, I enjoy them. But, so now, now that that's out of the way, uh, the elephant in the room for our listeners is the fact that I, uh, I kind of spend a lot of time speaking ill of Devin Booker. I don't think he's super good. However, he's obviously very young. And just this last Saturday, had one of his best games as a pro uh, against the Dallas Mavericks. So I'm, I'm asking you, uh, Greg, am I totally off? Am I just picking on Devin Booker because uh, maybe I don't like his, uh, the cut of his jib? Does this guy have what it takes to be like a, maybe a perennial all-star? Well, first off, I'm glad that I've got a fellow uh, Suns fan from the 90s uh, here on on the show because I'm sitting in uh, my home studio that is basically an homage to my childhood as a, a Suns fan and as a uh, former Suns employee that has uh, all sorts of stuff from, from the 90s. So it's good to know you liked him then. Uh, it, the funny thing is I'm one of the few people here in Phoenix that somewhat agree with you on Devin Booker. I don't think he's a 1A. I think he's a 1B on a really good team. I think he can make an all-star team. I think he can make numerous all-star teams, but I don't think he's ever going to be the best player on a team that truly wants to contend uh, in today's NBA. Uh, I think he's inefficient with his scoring right now, uh, which is something that I hope as he matures and as they get uh, some other talent around him and hopefully a 1A kind of superstar but I just I don't think he's ever going to be the star on a, a truly uh, contending team. 
Yeah, I think it's some of the inefficiencies that drive me batty. And also some of it is I've had him in like a, a, a dynasty keeper league, you know, for money for his first two years. <laughs> and, and I hear all the praise he gets and I'm like, guys, he's, he's killing my fantasy team with his inefficiency. <laughs> but because uh, he definitely he has those flashes. He has those extreme flashes like Clay Thompson light where, you know, he, he lights up. He has the big quarters and obviously he's, he scores in volume. But I think like he does that and it, it kind of. I guess it hides the fact that like 85% of the time he's just not being good or the reason they're down by 20 is he has seven turnovers and is not playing defense. Uh, but I, I, and I did get in some trouble. I don't, I don't normally troll on Twitter or, you know, <laughs> I, I don't normally even get into like arguments. Like that's not what I enjoy Twitter for, but I did throw up the basketball reference numbers of OJ Mayo and Devin Booker. Very, very similar. And, like, I guess people forget that O.J. Mayo scored 18 points, you know, like 18 and a half per game his first year on the Grizzlies. But just watching Devin Booker play where it seems like his his entire goal is to get, like, a 20-footer, which he will then make 35% of the time, I was like, you know, this reminds me of an old guy who used to wear a Grizzlies uniform. And I went to Basketball Reference and was like, whoa. Like, they're, 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 mirror, they're mirror images. So I, I do hope, and I assume, you know, he can be more, but... I think so far early in his career, it's a uh, it's a good doppelganger, but I guess not in a good way if you're a Suns fan. Well, I think he can be more than OJ Mayo in the long run, uh, mostly because he's doing this all at a very young age, uh, and if you look at it, some of the things he's doing, uh, he keeps company in like. Uh, Kevin Durant and LeBron James, some of the things he's doing at the age that he's doing, those are the only uh, only guys in the NBA that have done it uh, previously. Uh, some of the scoring he's done and, and things like that. I think he'll be better than O.J. Mayo, but part of the, part of the problem here is Phoenix Suns fans uh, have been wandering in the desert looking for any sign of hope for the future for the last seven or six years. And Devin Booker is that first glimmer of hope. And then you add in the fact that this wasn't a guy that was a number one overall pick or number two. He was number 13 in the draft. So uh, you find a diamond in the rough at that point and you you overlook some flaws because he's doing things that a guy that's picked 13th at the age of uh, of 19 that was the youngest guy in the NBA when he was drafted shouldn't be doing. So I think all those are factors into into why the Devin Booker love fest is so strong uh, in Phoenix and growing nationally as well. But uh, I think you're right. There's flaws there, but I have, uh, I have a belief that this kid's going to overcome it because of attitude smarts and just the way he carries himself. He's, he's a hard worker. And, uh, and that's key when you're looking at a guy trying to get better at such a young age. Yeah, I definitely, you know, I, I make sort of half jokes with the O.J. Mayo comparisons statistically. But yes, the other statistical comparisons you make are he's scoring at a rate, you know, not seen since Durant and LeBron. And that's definitely positive and hopefully will be positive for my fantasy team if I decide to keep him for a third year. <laughs> um, another guy uh, who's kind of fallen off the radar for the Suns. I'm curious, and I've seen some of you on Twitter talking bad about him. He's a guy I, I was confused has totally like disappeared from the league, and that's Brandon Knight. I'm curious just what what's happened to Brandon Knight in Phoenix? Well, last year he looked okay, but the problem was he's a shoot-first point guard that uh, some 
doesn't make shots, and he's not a not a guy that uh, that has a lot of court vision. Dribbles with his uh, kind of dribbles around too much, takes his shot first. And uh, this year they asked him to be the sixth man, and it was something that uh, I just I don't think he wanted. Well, I I'm almost positive based on some people I've talked to, it wasn't a role that he ever wanted. He views himself as a starter in this league. And so I think that kind of uh, skewed the way he played. He's not a bad guy. He's not a locker room canter. It's not that kind of uh, kind of thing. Uh, he's not a malcontent in that way. But I, I just feel like he was not mentally prepared to play the role that they asked him to this year. And uh, and it affected his play enough to where he was inefficient. He wasn't hitting shots. He wasn't scoring. And when that's what you're known for, and you're not a pass first point guard, really, there's no point in having you on the court. So after uh, after the All Star break, they shut him down. They uh, they shut him and Tyson Chandler down in order to give uh, give the young guys minutes. Now Tyson Chandler was a different uh, a different case. They went to him and said, "Look, we can we can trade you if." Uh, if you really want to go, we can trade you to contender or uh, you can sit out the rest of the year, but you can continue to be a mentor to these young guys. And that was actually something that ty- really appealed to Tyson Chandler. He wants to be a mentor to the young guys on this roster. He wants to be around for this rebuild process. So he, he happily said, yeah, no problem. I can, I'll sit the rest of the year. I'll continue to be a mentor and somewhat of a coach on this staff. And then we'll reevaluate this summer and, and figure out that stuff. So, but Brandon Knight is a guy that I highly doubt you will see take the court at all the rest of the year. I know they were looking to deal him at the trade deadline and nothing really materialized outside of having to take another team's malcontent uh, in return. Uh, you know, a guy like a Reggie Jackson or something that the Suns just weren't prepared to, to do at this time. I think there was also uh you know, you could get a Derrick Rose potentially or something like that. And it just it wasn't what the Suns were prepared to do. So they just decided, you know, the best uh, the best thing right now is we're going to bench Brandon Knight. And to his credit, he hasn't complained publicly. He hasn't uh, he hasn't said or done anything. He's just accepted uh, what his lot in life is right now. And uh, and they're going to reassess it in the summer to see if they can. uh they can deal him because long term he's not an answer here, and the hope I imagine is that they find a GM that thinks that they can fix him, and uh, and that saw something that they really liked in uh, in his time in Milwaukee or Detroit, and are willing to part with uh, something, whether it be a, a low draft pick or uh, or some kind of mid tier younger player, so they can uh, get him off the books. I would trade you Chandler Parsons for him right now. Just saying. I, I don't I don't think that's the the kind of contract the Suns want to take back. The Brandon Knight contract is uh is bad enough, but the uh, Chandler Parsons one takes it to a whole nother level. They're, they're actually come on, they're not that far apart. I think it's thirteen million per year to like eighteen or nineteen. But yeah, no. So that the interesting thing to me is obviously Tyson Chandler. You know, end of his career, ten years older than Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight is still signed for three more seasons. You know, at, at a pretty decent contract. Um, decent as in big, but also like not staggeringly too much where I was really surprised that no team would even give away anything just to bring him in. But but I guess to me that showed that maybe something in Phoenix had at least leaked out where the rest of the league was like, you know, this guy, maybe he is, I don't know, he's not ready to put in the work. He's not ready to be part of the team. And, and again, it surprised me with the Suns building towards the future. 
you know, they're, they're playing like Leandro Barbosa, you know, who is not team controlled for the next few years and who's old. And you have Brandon Knight sitting there who is signed through, you know, three more years. So they're just going to sit him out and then maybe try to move him again. Like what happens? Cause they are, I mean, this is tanking his value. So like what happens if they can't move him again? Like, is there any thought that they might have to do the stretch provision to get rid of him? No, not that I've heard. I I think what'll happen is if they can't deal him, they'll try to reassess what's the best way to potentially work him back into the lineup next year. But the thing is, at trade deadline, it's it's much tougher to move a guy that has some uh, some blemishes than it is in the off season. Uh, that that kind of absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, uh, during the off season where it's been a little while since people have seen these guys play and uh, those, uh, those stories about them are, are a few months removed. I think they'll find, find a trade partner and they might be more willing to take uh, something back that they might not have been willing to uh, at the trade deadline, just simply because they wanted to make sure that they were giving all these young guys uh, extended minutes and, and weren't willing to take uh, something back. And the thing is, Leandro Barbosa isn't playing a whole lot of minutes, and, and when he does, uh, you can tell that he's somewhat mentoring those young guys that are out on the floor with him. Same with Jared Dudley, and I think that's why they like like playing uh, those guys over a Brandon Knight because it really never seemed like Brandon Knight was all about helping the younger guys get better. It was about Brandon Knight trying to uh, help Brandon Knight at times. So I think that's really what it comes down to. As you say, the Suns have turned to playing mainly their younger guys. They uh, they actually resemble a lot their summer league team with uh, Alan Williams and Tyler Eulis and Devin Booker doing things and Marquise Chris. Um, so they've said that they're building, you know, towards the future. They're using this season kind of to look towards the future, which I think is a relief probably for Suns fans because it seems like they've been in between for a lot of years, not knowing whether they're they're tanking or they're playing for the now or the future. But as they do focus on next season and beyond who are the guys on this squad like we talked about Devin Booker but who are the other building blocks that they're going to build around well yeah as you mentioned Devin Booker then Marquise Chris uh Dragon Bender is a big part of this and now he's been injured so they haven't been able to uh to play him as part of this youth movement but I know he's a guy that they highly value obviously after taking him number four in the draft now he's a little bit more raw than some of the other young guys on this roster, but he's a building block here. Uh, Tyler Eulis is a guy that they've really fallen in love with. Now, I think they view him as a backup point guard in the long run, but they love what he does. They love uh, the intangibles that he brings to the court and uh, and, and just his smarts out there on the floor. Uh, Alan Williams has played himself into uh, being part of the future here, I believe. I, I think probably more so than Alex Len at center as uh alan williams has become a double double machine since they've been playing him i believe it's uh six or seven straight double doubles that he has now uh in a row and this is a guy that uh didn't play very many minutes what he was known for was being a great bench guy and almost a cheerleader down there at the end of the bench his reactions to to plays was what he was known for but since he's gotten on the court He's a guy that just has a, a nose for the ball. He knows how to rebound, knows how to score around the rim, uh, and is is solid defensively. Now, he's not going to be a, a major shot blocker, but uh, luckily for the Suns, Marquise Chris is becoming more of that on the defensive end for them. And also, uh, you know, they, they've got a lot of guards that are very good at uh, those from, uh, from behind 
blocks. So uh, he's a piece of the future. They really like Derek Jones Jr., who's a 19-year-old uh, small forward that, that's been getting a lot of minutes uh, lately as well. Uh, he's raw. He's the guy you saw in the dunk contest that they finished second in the dunk contest. He's an athletic freak, but he's showing a real ability on the defensive end to pester guys, and he's starting to learn more on the offensive end as well. And then TJ Warren is, a uh, is another small forward. Uh, he's been starting, uh, most of the year. He had a mysterious, uh, what they called a minor head injury that kept him out for about a month yeah. and kind of derailed what was a, a quality season for him. But, uh, they've got a lot of young pieces. I'm not sure they quite know how the puzzle's all going to fit together. As of right now, I think some of it is asset accumulation so they can look at potentially making a deal at some point. But there are a lot of young pieces on this team that are are very intriguing. And that's before you even mention their uh, young head coach uh, in Earl Watson, who is uh, is 37, could uh, probably still be playing in this league. And he's another piece of that as well. So it'll be interesting to see how it all comes together, what moves they decide to make, uh, who's expendable. My guess is out of all of them, TJ Warren might be a guy and either a Dragon Bender or Marquise Chris that they looked to move if there were a potential young uh, young star that becomes available at some point. Yeah, I've grown one of those guys you mentioned. I've grown completely enamored with Alan Williams. Do you think his his play and his kind of showing up late in the season will they finally like based on that be able to move on from Alex Lynn? Like, do you think they'll be able to, in my mind, show the restraint? not to offer uh, Alex Lynn a significant contract this summer? I believe so. I think Alan Williams is the guy that they'll they'll keep and uh, they'll figure that Tyson Chandler will be their starter for uh, for next season. They'll have Alan Williams as a backup and, and they'll go from there. Uh, there could be a world where they find a trade partner for Tyson Chandler and they keep both Alex Lynn and Alan Williams. But the way I look at it is right now, don't overspend on Alex Len. Keep a cheaper uh, young guy in Allen Williams and and let him be a productive backup and figure out who your starter of the future is uh, as you move forward. I, I think that's probably the best play because Alex Len, uh, nice guy, a lot, uh, lot of potential, but he hasn't lived up to it here in Phoenix. And at some point you have to look at the bottom line and go, okay, well, he is a restricted free agent. We'll be able to match any offer he gets. But I, I, we've seen big guys that that have uh, athleticism and potential tend to get overpaid in, in this league based on that potential. And I just don't see it as a smart move for the Suns to gamble on that and overpay to keep him here. Yeah, I agree. You, you say Alan Williams is like a cheaper option. I, I think he's a better option. I think he's a much better NBA basketball player. Like Lynn still shoots. He shoots too many jumpers and he's not good at jumpers. He's kind of frustrating to watch. You mentioned Earl Watson as a asset, as a, as a young guy, um, young coach. I'm curious, and th- this is, you know, might be hard to judge or to figure out, but a part of me wonders like, is there anything from Earl Watson's history? And this is a guy who I loved on the Grizzlies again, always bringing it back to the Grizzlies. Um, he, uh, he didn't have much success in his playing career. Like he didn't win a single playoff game and he has no real coaching experience. Cause he was, he got hired to be an assistant and then found himself to be the coach head coach a year later. Um, do you think he has the pedigree to build a, a winner in Phoenix? Yeah, I do. I think uh, what people 
probably underestimate is he, one of his mentors in his time at UCLA was the great uh, John Wooden. He talks about uh, what he really learned from Coach Wooden as a 19-year-old. He spent time, his first coaching gig after playing career was with the uh, Spurs D-League team, and Greg Popovich was somebody that took him under his wing and taught him the Spurs culture. And the Spurs actually wanted him to be a... uh, a coach in their system uh, when when the Suns came uh, offering him an assistant coaching job. So that speaks volumes there as well. He mentioned mentions Hubie Brown as a as a guy that was a great influence on him as well. I think he has a lot of experience in that way uh, and pedigree in that way to help these young guys uh, learn what it takes to be professionals in this league and and play the game the right way. Now, do I know, uh, do I believe that he's the guy for that next step once these guys mature and they're ready to contend for uh, for an NBA championship and you need solid X's and O's uh, at that point and an offensive system? I don't know. I, I'm not sure that he's the guy. He has a growing to do uh, as well. He's got to grow with these young sons and figure out uh, who he is uh, as a coach in the long term in terms of X's and O's. But right now is a guy to motivate uh, young players, teach them how to be professionals in this league and teach them uh, the building blocks to winning. I think he's a guy that can definitely do that. And he was around for, uh, I mean, he talks about it a lot. He was around Kevin Durant when he was, when he was young and, and helped kind of mentor him. And I, I just feel like he's a guy that will get this team in the right space culturally to win. And then it'll just be, has he developed his X's and O's as a coach, or is it time at that point to find a guy that can get this team over the top? All right. Last couple of things. Um, we didn't talk much about Eric Bledsoe, who I guess is kind of default the Suns' best player. What do you see for Bledsoe in the next couple of years? Because I know Robert Sarver came out talking about how they're building towards 2020, which is kind of a long way away. Uh, Brandon Knight will still be on the team then, though maybe under contract. Haha, <laughs> 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 just kidding. Um, so what do you what do you see from Bledsoe um, in the coming seasons? Like, is he a part of the future, or is he just kind of like the uh, I don't know. He's he's watching over them until they uh, get to where they want to be in a couple years. I'd like for him to be part of the future. This is a guy that is uh, one of the hardest workers I've seen in my time around the team. A, a great guy. He took it upon himself to work on his leadership because it was one of the things that uh, that people had questioned about him is could he to be a true verbal leader could he take the reins of a team and he uh, a few years ago went and got a life coach uh, has done uh, immense amount of reading uh, he is he's growing to really be a leader and honestly if this team wins a few more games next year he'll be in the discussion for for being an all-star in the Western Conference. He is that good. He's just one of those guys that unfortunately has been playing on bad teams the last few years and doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. So I think he should be uh, a part of this son's future. Now, uh, if if the right trade came along, and depending on where they're drafting this year, if they if the best player available is a point guard, and then a deal materializes that they can net you some quality, uh, top caliber young talent in return for an Eric Bledsoe. You definitely consider a move 
but he's good enough and he's smart enough to be a part of this future for this Suns team. And I think he's as much uh, a reason why these young guys are developing as Earl Watson and, and the rest of the coaching staff there. So I think you definitely have to think long and hard if you're considering getting rid of Eric Bledsoe because he could be a key piece to the next great Suns team. Yeah, and he's a guy, you say he's kind of toiled in obscurity on, on the Suns while they lose. He's a guy who I'd love to see his game transfer into winning, like on a winning team, to see see like what he does. Because right now he's kind of, I don't know, I want to say like coasting on defense. He's he's not living up to how he used to be kind of an all-NBA all defensive talent. But but he's scoring a bunch. You know, he's averaging 21 and six assists. And he's, he's a guy who's tons of fun to watch. I would like to see, like, what like what is his role, you know, on a really good team. Like, you talked about Booker maybe being a 1B. Is also Bledsoe a 1B, or is he just, like, a, your your third option? Like, what, what do you think he is on, like, a playoff team? I think he's probably a, a second or third option on a playoff team. Probably more likely a a third option. And the thing is his defense has taken a step back because they're asking him to do so much offensively. And so he's not just uh, there to be a defensive stopper. And it, when he was with the Clippers, a lot easier to be a great uh, defensive guard when you're coming off the bench uh, with, uh, to, to, to back up Chris Paul and also to, uh, you know, having offensive weapons around you like they did there. And, and even in his, first few years with the Suns he wasn't the main catalyst of the offense so I think that's why his defense has taken a step back but you look he's still a great rebounder still gets uh gets you steals uh and and getting points and assists as well so I think he could be really interesting uh, on a really good team where he's not the guy that has to make everything happen on offense uh, he could still be that defensive uh power and i think he'd still be a guy that gets you more boards than your local guard i I think be very intriguing on a good team yeah last thing uh bringing up full circle back to the grizzlies why do the suns seem so mad at the grizzlies there's no history of uh of conflict rivalry but in every one of these games this year there has been a shoving match and or multiple technicals handed out well, let, let's be honest. Grit and grind is annoying. Yeah, I mean, that's, oh, sure. that's the first. And the fact that uh, Vince Carter, half man, half uh, immature uh, kid, <laughs> takes a entire uh, elbow to Devin Booker's head. He basically assaults him on the court. Well, I, no, I think that for, would piss Greg. That's off that's round three. That is round three of the rivalry. This is true. This is the third. The <laughs> first game, Devin Booker shoves Zach Randolph in the back. Zach Randolph doesn't even know what's happening and hugs him later. He's like, hey, well, that was kind of funny. And then the replays were weird. And then in then game two, round two was Devin Booker telling Troy Daniels, uh, Troy Daniels, the 11th man on the Grizzlies, playing in garbage time while Devin Booker was still on the court, got in his face, said he couldn't trash talk you. Like, who is Troy Daniels to talk to me? So that was round two. And then round three. Well, well, let- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's take let's take a step back okay. with the Troy Dan- Troy Daniels started the trash talk saying that that Devin Booker uh, it wasn't that good and all these things. He started it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Devin that- Booker just Devin Booker just finished it. That sounds all right? like analysis to me. De- Devin Booker just finished it. <laughs> all right. I'm glad the Phoenix Suns finally aren't the uh, the kid that's getting bullied on the playground by the likes of the Memphis Grizzlies. All right, it's it's nice to see these guys have a little bit of an edge because when you go back and you look at teams that wind up being pretty good in this league, 
uh, pardon my language, but a lot of them are asses. Yeah. You know, you, you look at it, and the San Antonio Spurs, most people didn't like them. They had guys like Robert Ory and Bruce Bowen in their heyday that uh, that really were irritants. Uh, you, you, the Detroit Pistons back in the day, nobody was uh, saying how much they uh, they were nice guys. I want... I want guys that have an edge to them, and it's nice to finally see them in Phoenix. And if Memphis has to take the brunt of it, so be it. Yeah, I kind of that, that, that's kind of what I gathered. Honestly, watching it, just kind of perplexed. I was like, did Earl Watson tell them just to try to pick a fight with the Grizzlies every game? Because I mean, it seemed it seemed funny, and I I did well, they, I did enjoy the is, uh, Vince Carter haymaker. He, that was that was amazing. He is, <laughs> he is actually telling them to uh, to show some backbone and actually. Uh, be a little bit like that. So, so some of it is an edict from the head coach. Yeah, that's great. Well, Greg, thanks for your time. I uh, really appreciated having you on. Uh, tell people where they can hear you and read you. Yeah, uh, you can hear the Sun Solar Panel uh, anywhere you get podcasts. You can also find it at sunspodcast.com. And you can also read me at sports360az.com. Do a weekly written roundtable about the Phoenix Suns uh, there. Uh, so please uh, read. You can also find me on Twitter at Espo. Keep it, keeping it real simple there. But thanks for having me on the show. Always happy to come back. Uh, usually the Suns are relevant about once a year, so I'll probably talk to you uh, sometime next year. That sounds perfect. Thanks, Greg. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. All right. Thanks to Greg for joining the show. That was good fun. Talking about maybe my fourth favorite team this season, the Phoenix Suns. We appreciate you guys listening. Remember, Grizzlies fans, there is a watch party in Nashville on Wednesday, March 15th at Double Dog Sylvan Heights. You guys who want to support the show, it is getting crowded in our Patreon-only members Slack chat, but it has been fun. Man, those conversations never end. So if you want to join that and get more Fast Break Breakfast, go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Fast Break Break. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being G and G. Fast break, break, man. You understand? <laughs>